Should missionaries be active on social media? Should they share their experiences, their fears, and their joys? We'll talk about that and, believe me, a whole lot more. This is the Engaging Missions Show, Episode 191 with David Joannes. Welcome to the Engaging Missions Show, where we are bringing missions home. Here's your host, Brian Ensminger. Thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate that you're here, and we want to provide ways for you to hear a message, make connections, and take action. This week, we're going to be talking about what God has been showing our guest about his heart for sonship, whether missionaries should be considering whether they would be active on social media. We'll talk about smuggling Bibles and also training leaders. Now, I also wanted to mention before we get into this that we're getting really close to Ramadan, and this might be a really good time for you to focus your prayers on impacting Muslims, about them being open to the gospel and those kind of things. If you're interested in praying through that, there's a resource available for you at 30daysofprayer.com. And also, we have resources available from Global Initiative. We're in the middle of a fundraiser for them, and I just want to mention that if you're interested in finding out more about Global Initiative and what they're doing to equip the global body of Christ to impact Muslims, visit engagingmissions.com slash David Joannes and follow the links there. Also, engagingmissions.com slash fund16 for more information about that fundraiser. Also, before we get into this, I want to mention just a quick welcome to Scott, who recently liked our Facebook page. That's at facebook.com slash engagingmissions. So, Scott, welcome. It's great to have you. And if you are also listening and you'd like to connect there, that's facebook.com slash engagingmissions. All right. I am so excited to have with me David Joannes. He lives in Chiang Mai, Thailand with his wife, Lorna, and also their daughter, Kara. He's the founder and the president of Within Reach Global, which focuses on advancing the gospel in some of the most difficult places in Southeast Asia. He's also the author of a book, The Space Between, which is lining up to be a really interesting read. I'm part of the way through that, and you'll find a link for that in the show notes, which will be at engagingmissions.com slash David Joannes. And as I understand it, he's also working on another book. He has a love for language, culture, creative writing, and for the past 20 years, He's witnessed God's kingdom established in forgotten places around the globe. So, David, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much. That introduction sounds like I'm the legendary hero of rumors. I really appreciate I, I don't know about all that, but, you know, as, as we get started and before we get into your book, I'm wondering, I did share quite a bit. Can you maybe kind of sum that up for us and share with us in maybe just one or two sentences? What is it that you're doing right now and, and how are you doing that? Yeah, well, within Reach Global, the ministry that my wife and I oversee has one simple motto, and I think this really encapsulates it. Honor God, reach the unreached. And it really is our passion to see the unreached people groups, that is, people who have no access to Christian bookstores, radio broadcasts, anything related to the gospel, hear the name of Jesus for the very first time, are discipled, we plant churches, and they are established in their faith throughout Southeast Asia. That, that's great. And I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back to that a little bit more as we dig more into the ministry. But as we get to know you a little bit, I kind of wanted to pull a couple of things that I did get out of your book. One of the things that you shared, and I think this was probably even in the foreword, you, you wrote that sometimes you're a hero, more often a failure, sometimes mm-hmm. sympathetic toward the poor and the marginalized, but would maybe rather be 
absorbed by a good book, the comfort of a coffee shop, that you're experiencing daily the grace of God as he continues to use you, not always because of you, but in spite of you. And I want to say that I really appreciate the honesty and the rawness of that. And I'm wondering, can you share a little bit about how God uses you sometimes in spite of you? You know, it's funny. I was having this conversation just last night as I was receiving life coaching and recalled an instance in 1995 when I was in India, one of my few first mission trips. Someone told me, make sure God always uses you because of you, not in spite of you. And I tried and I tried and I tried and it seemed (laughs) at my wit's end or at those moments when my abilities were overcome by my inabilities, that's when I realized, wow, there's some sort of breakthrough that's happened. And I could give instances of those, but sometimes I'm a hero. Oftentimes I'm a failure. I think that's really the conundrum that is taking place within the hearts and minds of missionaries cross-culturally all over the world. You have this passion to do something great for God, but you know you're simply a cracked vessel, a jar of clay. And thankfully, God's all-surpassing power is permeated you and therefore flowing out of you to a world and the sphere of influence around you. You shared that part of that conversation came up as you were involved in some life coaching. And that's the kind of thing that people typically do when they're wanting to continue to grow and to develop. And that's maybe not always the kind of thing that you would expect to find for somebody who acknowledges that Christ is using them in spite of themselves. I I see a lot of times that people say, well, I'm not qualified, and they just kind of sit in that. It doesn't seem like that's what you're doing. Can you share a little bit more about that? Yeah, well, I think that's the unique position, that when you see that your inabilities are superfluous and you are just really unable to do things, for me, my first gut reaction is, okay, well, how can I continue to at least put myself in a place where God can have access to use me? Or how can I step out into a kind of a precarious situation and continue to be used? And so every week I meet with one of the advisors of Within Reach Global, our organization, and I am very grateful for him just sowing quality wisdom and life experience into my life. You know, I'm still moving forward and we're on the forefront of the the 1040 window. We travel to unreached people groups regularly. But the more I do this and the longer I'm involved in missions, the more I realize, man, this is not about me. And really what John the Baptist said, you know, Jesus must take center stage and I want to slip off to the sidelines is what the message version says. I'm, I'm just really noticing that reality is so true of myself these days. As I think about your your ministry and having read a a little bit of your book, I, I know that there are quite a number of times where in order for you to take a step, you actually had to take what looks to me almost like a leap of faith or maybe continually walking in something that, you know, for a while didn't seem like it was going to bear fruit until God did something. Can you share with us maybe just one of those times? Yes. Well, I've been overseas living in China and now Thailand for the last 20 years. This is the 20th year anniversary of since I've been overseas. And I remember early on, after my wife and I were married in 2004, this is a few years into time that we'd spent in China, we had been, you know, working and ministering among unreached people groups. We went to that Yao people, Y-A-O, they're on the southeast or southwest side of China, and we had this miraculous instance of when a man said, I saw you five years ago on the other side of the province. Somehow God led us to his his village and saw a small breakthrough. 
one person and then his brother and then 20 young people baptized and began to see real fruit. Then there came some real serious and heavy persecution in the area. And Lorna and I almost felt like all these years we've been ministering among this tribe, trying to reach them with the gospel. It's all for nothing. You know, just last year, I went down to, to that exact place that I had been many, many years earlier. And my local missionaries took me from village to village to village of all these places that over a decade ago I had traveled to. And my wife and I had walked around these rural countrysides. Now they were taking me to the home churches and the small group meetings all inside the pockets of these mountains that had grown up and are now flourishing. And it was such a powerful time to see that in my absence or in my weakness, God had caused the sparks of revival to grow out of simple obedience to going. And so did I feel like it was fruitless for many years? Absolutely. But it's amazing what is happening beneath the surface. And I think we need to focus on what the Holy Spirit is doing in our midst under the surface that we cannot see. And soon enough, that small little leaf, the petal will break through the surface. And that is the beginnings of a revival and the fruit of sacrifice, the fruit of obedience and sacrifice. I'm, I'm so glad that you shared that. I've heard now several times from people who had been overseas and they started something and for whatever reason, they either felt called to leave or had to leave. And when they you know, heard what had happened years later, they were in some cases really surprised by the amazing things that God did. And that's just really powerful. I think that speaks a lot to us. I'm also wondering a little bit about your, your ministry and your life even. Are there any meaningful scriptures or foundational scriptures that kind of shape how you approach life and ministry? I could think of immediately the first one is Matthew twenty four fourteen. It says, well, do you want it in Chinese or English? <laughs> English, I think. <laughs> Let's stick with English. It says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a testimony to every nation, and then the end will come. And... As we dive into that, looking at the word nation, we think of the word ethno-linguistic tribe, panta terra etne, the every single subgroup and tribe and culture represented. So that is really the driving point for Lorna and I, that the gospel of the kingdom will be preached all over the world to every specific unreached tribe, and then the end will come. And, you know, it, I do feel like God is inviting us to take part in his epic redemptive salvation plan to be a part of the Great Commission, whether it's in going or sending or giving or greeting, whatever your role is. But we've really been excited to see that he's inviting us to this narrative and we get to play a part. And he's almost withholding his return until every person has had a chance. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here in Chiang Mai, Thailand. This country is 97% Buddhist, less than 05 percent Christian. I mean, that this is the 21st century. This is unfathomable mm. that we are still seeing these statistics. And so that's really something that drives our passion and vision at Within Reach Global. And that that passion, that the, the statistics that you shared, that kind of reminds me of one of the things that you had put in your book about the the first time that you returned from Asia to the U.S. and that as you were re-entering, which I understand can be difficult by itself, you were a little bit frustrated by what appeared to be some lackadaisical 
commitments to the gospel in the U.S. Do you still see that kind of thing as you look across the Christian community in the U.S. or even globally? I definitely have to be careful in answer, answering this because I have <laughs> gone through the full array of emotions at first disdain and then disheartenment and, you know, the list goes on. It is amazing how every one of us, myself definitely included, are so myopic in our vision. We see what is happening within maybe three, four feet around us. <laughs> and sometimes it's very difficult to see beyond, especially to these nebulous regions, what we call unreached people groups. And, you know, it's just too abstract and they don't have names and faces in our minds. Am I frustrated or am I discouraged at sometimes? Yes, for sure. I, I want to see that people would capture the heart of God that beats, I think, passionately for those who have never, I mean, we'll walk into a village and we'll say, have you ever heard of Jesus here? Many times, many times the reply has been, is that a brand of a soap? They have no concept of what in the world a Jesus is. And with that information and that passion inside me, and then, you know, I re-enter America, whether it's for a short-term, uh, I said short-term trip, I think backwards now, uh, a fundraising trip or connecting with vision partners. And I, I kind of see, you know, what I would consider not the most paramount conversations happening. And yeah, I... As an advocate for unreached, I pray that God would reshift our hearts for the unreached world. And I guess kind of taking that one step further, if you were sitting down with a missions committee or with an individual and they were kind of sitting right on the bubble where maybe they're they're just about ready to expand their heart to include unreached people groups or, or you know, their, their vision is about to expand, what would you share with them in that situation? Well, I think I would share that there's a reason for unreached people groups. They're hard to get to. They're oftentimes hostile to the gospel, whether culturally, religiously, or what, and many other instances. But it is worth it in the end. And it is the deep heart cry, I think, immediately of, of the heart of Jesus. You know, I think it still continues today that he would leave the 99, and he's not leaving them forever, safely tucked away and for a time. He'll leave the 99 and for what purpose? That one. And in this case, we're talking about over a billion, a billion and a half ones, people who've never heard the name of Jesus. And so I think it is synonymous with the heart of God to go to places that, yes, are difficult. Yes, are not very accepting of either Westerners or the gospel in general, but this is the mandate that God has and, and his, his return almost hinges upon our response that this gospel of the kingdom would be preached in all the world as a testimony to every tribe and then the end will come. So to me, it's more about the glory and the advance and the advent of the kingdom of God than it is about the simple, you know, hashtag first world problems that we have to mm. deal with. <laughs> yeah. And, and what has God been showing or teaching you over the last few months or perhaps the last year? One of the biggest things is that the father heart is coming to mind. You know, I think a lot of missionaries will probably resonate with this, that there's oftentimes an out of sight, out of mind 
kind of sensation that takes place or, you know, you feel alone or even if you're married and even if you have a family, there's this kind of sense of abandonment in, in many ways. Mm. It's unintention- unintentional, I know. But to look back and see, again, use the age-old statement, the footprints in the sand and realize that every step along the journey, the father heart has been showing me that he doesn't care about so much all the things I do or the acclaim that we often give to the silly notion of Christian pedestals. (laughs) It's such a silly thing that we, we focus on these things. You know, for me, I'm just some homeschool kid who bought a one-way ticket to China and I know who I am, but God knows more who I am. And my true identity is in sonship. And that's what he's been really speaking to me as of late. Wow, that identity is in sonship. That's really powerful. With that, we are going to take a quick break. We're going to shift our focus when we come back, and we're going to focus a little bit more on the ministry. I'd like to take just a minute to tell you about another podcast that I think that you should check out. If you enjoy the Engaging Missions show, you definitely want to check out the Foundational Missions Leadership Moment with Scott McClelland. He's been a guest on the show. He's a friend of the show, and he's just recently finished up a series where he was on location in Thailand talking with some missionaries there about leadership. I thought it was a really, really interesting discussion. You can check that out at fxmissions.com. I think it's worth your time to at least give it a second to check it out. All right, we're back with David. We've been getting to know him a little bit. He shared some great stuff in that first section, but now we're shifting our focus toward the ministry. And David, as I think about what you're doing right now, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't start with God's calling. So when and how did you recognize your calling to Asia? It's funny. My story starts at a very tender age of three years old. (laughs) It was 1981. I was looking at a National Geographic magazine sitting next to my mom and stumbled across a photo of Asia, perhaps China. This is her recollection to me years later. And she said, I said, Mommy, I want to bring bread to the kids of China. Don't know why I said that, perhaps because Mm. at that time, you know, as everyone said, they're starving kids in China. Well, years later, 12 years later, in fact, I went on my first mission trip with Teen Mania Ministries and we went to Hong Kong and we were smuggling Bibles across the border from Hong Kong into China. But we had code words. We called the Bibles bread Mm -hmm. and we called all the tracks crumbs. So I'm walking through this labyrinth of customs, turnstiles from Hong Kong into China, right into Shenzhen. It's a pouring, rainy, gray day. And I roll my bags and my backpack full of bread into China. And suddenly I feel the Holy Spirit speak to me and said, David, you are bringing bread to the kids of China. That, that was really when I gave my life to missions specifically towards China. And so you know, that was that was the initial calling that I really felt. So you, you had that experience. Did God also do anything to confirm that calling over the years? You know, I would often ask God to confirm that calling. You know, am I really called? And it, it seems to me that Psalm 37, 4, you know, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. It's almost as if when you're delighting yourself in God, his desires become your desires. And so I just more remember conversations like, God, is it cool if I go to China? And he said, Mm -hmm. sure, why not? And (laughs) that's the kind of, you know, that's the kind of 
sensation I had that this was just already God's heart. It was quite a natural outworking of his call. So, of course, he's confirmed it in many, many ways as I see fruit in, in the ministry. But I remember initially it was just kind of a conversation with God. And he said, sure, why not? That's, that's great. And I, I love the the personal nature of that. I think that sometimes, you know, God is great and God, God is omniscient and God is all powerful. And I think that sometimes we we also forget that God is personal, that God, that yeah. God wants that relationship with us. And I, I, I just really appreciate you sharing the reality of that relationship. Yeah. Now we, we've talked. Oh, I'm, did you have something? No, I was just going to say that I think sometimes we kind of overcomplicate the missions call, don't we? You know, as if we need <laughs> to lay out so many fleeces and have God speak. Well, you know, it's a different day and age where a new covenant is here and he speaks to us. So, yes, you're right. You're absolutely right about that personal connection. Yeah. And, and you know, I think about that scripture that says that God gives you the desires of your heart. And I think that at least when I was growing up, I always read that as, you know, if I do stuff for God, then he'll give me the things that I want. And now I read that more along the lines of if I align myself with God, then he will infuse my heart with his desires and then he'll grant those. And, and I think that then we're able to walk that kind of thing out. Now, as we shift our focus more toward the, the ministry that you have going on right now, we, we talked about how you started out bringing Bibles in there into, into China. Oh, well, what are you, you doing you, now? You mean bread. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. Bringing bread. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes, my initial call started with Bible smuggling. And today's China is drastically different. There is you can purchase a Bible at in any major city for nearly a dollar. Today, our shift, our focus has shifted towards church planting, discipleship, evangelism among unreached peoples, Within Reach Global. You could head on over to withinreachglobal.org. I'm sure it's going to be in the show notes as well. But oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that's our ministry name. And over the years, the Lord has graciously brought many, many local Chinese, Chinese missionaries to us. They're people that we have raised up over the years. And now we, we have 25 missionaries. Most of them are, are local Chinese. And we have six outreach centers, some along the borders of Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos, Myanmar, and in China, one in Myanmar, that's Burma. And every single Training centers doing something a little bit unique. For example, drug rehabilitation, anti-trafficking in another. Another one is orphan care. And yet the deep, real central focus is discipleship, evangelism, and church planting where there are no Christian, where there is no Christian witness. That's really powerful. And, you know, as we were talking during the break, I was thinking about asking about some of the amazing things that you've seen God do. But now I'm thinking about this and I'm just going six training centers and one of them in Myanmar and Chinese missionaries coming out and then being able to reach reach unreached peoples. That is an amazing thing that God has done. How has he worked that out through your life and your ministry? You know how he's worked it out with a preface of understanding that I believe every missionary is called to work himself out of a job. And that is to empower local and indigenous missions. You know, you remember the Hudson Taylor statement. There are three stages of every great work of God. Hudson Taylor, the missionary to China said, mm -hmm. he said, first, it's impossible, then it's difficult, and then it's done. 
And <laughs> I know our missionary work is not done and my part, my role to play is not finished, but I have been very intentional about focusing on training and raising up indigenous leaders, that's the local people, to do far beyond what I've a- been able to do. I was just talking with, we'll call him Brother Zhang Rong. That's what I call him in my book, The Space Between Memories, not his real name. I was talking to him yesterday. He's in Myanmar on the, in this very midst of the United Wa State Army, one of the five factions of the Burmese government. There's bullets flying over his head and he's trying to rescue children. In fact, he's adopting and fostering many in this place where there is the second top methamphetamine production after Afghanistan. Wow. I mean, what a picture to paint. And, you know, these are places that I I can't go. I I can go and I've been there. I actually got caught while translating for Time Magazine many years ago, but now he's living there. He's Chinese. He is able to do greater things than I'm ever able to do. And through that multiplication, I really love to see, you ask, how did all this come about? (laughs) It's by empowering the locals to do greater things. I I think Jesus did the same. And greater things than these you shall do. And so that's been a real key, I think, for Within Reach Global, intentional focus on indigenous missions. What what has been the, the biggest thing that you've had to learn or perhaps unlearn in terms of being able to empower local leaders? Well, you'll definitely sense feeling of of loss because where I was the one doing all the work and I my hands were in the on the plow and I was in the trenches and now you're kind of handing over the reins in many ways and are they going to run this thing to the ground or is it going to go off to glory I really don't know <laughs> and that was part of the conundrum in our thinking process when Lorna yeah. and I you know moved out of China and Trust and being able to believe that God uses, obviously, look at my story, weak and unassuming misfits. He's done the same thing among our Chinese local missionaries. And I am so proud of all that they're doing. I mean, we don't have enough time to tell about all that they're doing, but (laughs) there's just so many stories of healing, supernatural breakthrough, revival. And somehow, yeah, I have a part in that. Uh, you know, but really the true heroes, I know who they are. They're our local missionaries, and I'm very proud of them. That That's really, you know, I appreciate you sharing every bit of that. And I, I recognize that there's probably that difficulty in in passing the baton, if you speak. And I would imagine that there are also some difficult times both before and after. What is it that, that keeps you going or fuels your passion when when it's difficult or when it's emotionally challenging? And it is <laughs> WeChat. WeChat is the online social media platform in China. And we have this group that we connect with all our local missionaries. Every day, my phone blows up with Chinese messages, photos, videos of all these stories that are happening. I think without that reporting system that we put in place many years ago, it would be easy to see or say, where's the fruit, God? What am Mm. I doing? Am I walking in circles? Am I really truly mobilizing people? But when I receive all these messages every day saying, so-and-so just got healed and this person just got saved and 10 more got baptized, that's a real power boost for my heart and my soul. And sure, yeah, I definitely feel like I, I question, what am I doing, Lord? Because again, my 
inabilities are very evident in my life. But as I continue to see that the kingdom of God is advancing, and again, perhaps despite of me, sometimes because of me, more often despite of me, <laughs> that's, that's a real boost for my spirit and my soul. Wow. I, you know, I, I, I guess I wasn't familiar with that particular social media platform, but I do know that there's a group in this, uh, actually probably several groups in the States that do that kind of thing for encouragement and to, to, to celebrate what Jesus has done. And, and I think that's a very powerful thing to do. I do want to take a little bit of a shift. You referenced Hudson Taylor. You, he's, you know, we have a book that shares some of the things that he went through. You've also written a book. I'm wondering, do you think that maybe more missionaries or church planters should consider publishing their experiences? Yes, yes, a resounding yes. <laughs> you know, you go into the Christian bookstore, go to the mission section. First of all, it probably doesn't exist. And if it does, there's probably a couple antiquated books about a missions history a long time ago. It's amazing to me how small the, that section of the, of the Christian bookstore is. You know, when I read books of Hudson Taylor and great missionaries of the past, I, I want to know a little bit more about the introspective thoughts they were thinking. And many times they're painted in a picture by a relative after the d- deceased missionary mm-hmm. goes on to be with the Lord. And so it's very matter of fact. Hudson Taylor was in England. He got on a boat. The boat was long, went to China. China was big. (laughs) I kind of want to know, as he brushed his hand along the wooden surface of the boat, was he thinking of his mother? You know, I think missionaries need to tell the story to, and an honest depiction and show what is, what is happening on the mission field. And it's really not that nebulous and abstract. And I, I hope I tried to do a decent job of that in the space between memories. Yeah. And, and, you know, sharing that, you reminded me of my experiences growing up in the the 70s and 80s and hearing the stories of missionaries when they would come through our church and share their experiences. And I think those things have to be handled both honestly and also with some sensitivity, because quite honestly, there there were a few years where I, I was afraid to go to sleep because I thought a scorpion was going to get me, never mind that they didn't live anywhere near where we were, <laughs> because I heard a missionary share that kind of thing. Do you? How, how can we approach that to be honest and also lay it out there in such a way that we continue to point people's attention toward what's most important? Sure. Yeah. I mean, again, you don't want to be the star of your own show. Who wants to be a small part of the big or a big part of the small thing, right? We all want to be a small part of the big thing. And so I I do think, I think uh, going back in time, Donald Miller's blue like jazz kind of changed the way we talked about, you know, humility and honesty and writing. And I think we need to be honest in our stories and depictions of missions. And there are some really victorious times and there are some great turmoil that comes in crossing cultures. I do pray that missionaries would be able to articulate their story and then hire a content editor to have them touch it up and make it great work so that it would challenge people to see that God is at the center, the nucleus of it all. And All our tiny efforts, you know, are but a drop in the bucket. He's truly the one working beyond the surface. And, but, but to see the real humanity of the missionary, not some guy, you you know, generally you only see him up on the stage and we have this funny way of making missionary celebrities. 
I've experienced that, but it's so awkward for me. I know it's not true of me. Just the base humanity and telling their story to empower people to say, hey, I can actually do that, you know? One other thing I think about as as we kind of close out this section, I think that a lot of times we look at memoirs or something like that as something that's published at the end of a, an extravagant career or perhaps even nearly posthumously. How can a missionary who's been on the field a few years share what they have experienced in a way that's both honest and transparent, but also shares what they do have to offer? Definitely their experiences over time will grow and bud into something bigger. So you're right. It, the, the shorter time you spend on the field may not be the best time to, to write it, but you don't have to be living overseas for 10, 20, 30 years and then be later in life to write a memoir. I'm 38. I just wrote my book last year. It's called a memoir, kind of a silly thing to do at age 38, but perhaps I have a lot of life experience under my belt. But, you know, I think there are aspects to be told and ways to fix present problems and issues and address unreached people groups. And we need more. Just yesterday, I I saw a friend. He was on Facebook. He's a missionary in China. And he said, I so enjoyed my time off Facebook for the last three months. I think I'm going to stay off off it forever. And I cringed and thought, no, another missionary voice being lost on the social media networks. I would love to see the stories of missionaries being told properly and and continually because we're inundated with things that are not the primary or paramount thing, you know, celebrity catwalks or, you know, (laughs) red carpet events. And these are all secondary. And really the gospel, the kingdom, advent of the kingdom of God in places that's never gone before. Is that not exciting to you? Man, it is to me, you know. (laughs) Well, good stuff. With that, we're going to take one more quick break. When we come back, we're going to shift our focus a little bit more toward our listeners. Here's a taste of what's coming up on the Engaging Mission Show. All over the United States, the number of people who claim to follow Christ is falling significantly. Every part of the U.S. went down in that. And the few, the few churches that seem to be growing and thriving spiritually, even them, the vast majority of the new members are either transfer growth, which is the, the vast majority, you know, or biological growth, the, just the, coming to faith of the children of the current members. And there's very little in terms of new new followers of Christ. So 96% would fall into those two categories. If you enjoyed that, you won't want to miss a single episode of the Engaging Mission Show. Subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher to have it delivered automatically. Visit engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. That's engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. All right, we're back with David Joannis. He's just, this has just been great for me. I've loved hearing his heart and his perspective. Now we're shifting our focus a little bit more toward you. 
Now, David, I'd like to go back to the beginning of the interview when we opened up with a question about your experience, about how sometimes you see yourself as the hero, sometimes you're the anti-hero, if you will. And in my experience, I feel like it's easy to flip-flop between feeling like things are going well or feeling like a total failure because, at least for me, sometimes I have my eyes on myself and then I have the potential to get things off track and to, to just not have things right. What would you share to, with somebody who's finding themselves in, in that kind of position to help them correct their perspective? No, um, I, I think it's amazing how, like I said before, use the word myopic. We do have, well, we, we're called to examine ourselves, biblically speaking, right? And so yeah. I think sometimes after you talk to a missionary, if you're not overseas, or you're not serving God in, in that manner, you tend to think, well, I, I'm just not the type would be able to do anything for God or for the Great Commission. It's a real unfortunate thing because we're called to examine ourselves. But you realize the more exam- you examine yourself, you, you realize that you discover things about yourself, the lurking need for affirmation of men. And then if you end there, then you're not going to get any farther until you get to but God or my identity as a son, like I mentioned before. And yeah. then when you, when you pause there and say, you know, yeah, I might not be called to do, to go across the seas and live in China. Don't stop short and not end up on, but God and God in your midst. He is able, you know, look at your missionary or look at your heroes, biblical heroes of the past. These people were really some of the most unassuming misfits out there. (laughs) You know, I mean, let's dive deep into your great, who's your greatest hero, biblical hero. And then look at yourself and see, well, you know, I'm a lot like Moses or Peter or Daniel, you know, and in all our inabilities and insecurities, but they didn't stop with themselves in their self-examination. I think they ended on God And with that focus, he was able to use them to do great things. Are there, if we think about ministry opportunities, you know, a lot of the people that listen to this show are really interested in doing something more, doing something. And some of them are currently doing things. Others are searching for that thing. Are there ministry opportunities that people often see right in front of them that they just miss because they're not looking for them? I think absolutely. I mean, you hit that one right on the head. Generally, in the past, we've talked about missions. Go, give, or send. Or John Piper even says, go, send, or disobey. You know, powerful, evoking conversations. But I I think there's many more facets to be considered. You can go, you can give, you can send, you can be a greeter. Think about your state, your zip code, your city, and think of how many international students perhaps even representing unreached people groups are right around the corner from your house. Go down to the local college, go into a, either a Chinese restaurant or Vietnamese or Thai, invite them to church, strike up a conversation. You may be the first American, if you're an American listener to ever invite someone of that particular race or religion to a church. And that is a powerful thing that I can't do. And so I think again, being intentional about what you're, what you're calling a role in the Great Commission. Sure. You might not be called to move across the seas to China and live in Timbuktu. Well, that's in Nepal, but, uh, <laughs> you, what you can do right in your own zip code 
that is a powerful thing that I am unable to do. And again, we're a body and every one of us has our unique and individual role. Is there a book or a resource? And I know that I know that you're reading 10 books so far this year and you've got a bunch more. Is there maybe just one book or resource that you'd recommend for our listeners to join your book, The Stays Between Memories? Yeah, yeah, I am reading a book a week this year and it's been real exciting. I would, I would really mention a book by Amy Peterson. It's called Dangerous Territory, a really unique take on, on, again, the anti-hero missionary story and what she experienced on the mission field throughout Southeast Asia and beyond. Dangerous Territory by Amy Peterson is the, one of the first ones that comes to mind. And, you know, there's, there's so many more. Actually, I've written about this top 100 books to read on missions. I think it's on my website, davidjoannis.com. You could probably search that and find it. It's okay. just not in front of me at the moment. Yeah, no, that's great. And we'll, I'll do my best to find that. And we'll have it all linked up in the show notes page at engagingmissions.com slash David Joannis. Now, David, how can we best pray for you? Uh, the, I pause because there's so many facets that we need prayer for. <laughs> and, and, you know, we're, we're really looking for people who would cover my wife, Lorna, and our daughter, Kara, and I in prayer because in many ways we are on the forefront of the 1040 window and we do sense great struggle, hostility, and frustration at times. One of the greatest things is probably health, health for our family, and which has not been 100% by any means in the last many years, and that is really kind of hindered how we're able to empower others. Prayer for our family for health and probably even more importantly, safety covering for our missionaries. Like I said, there's bullets flying over some of their heads and others are, I mean, one was just in jail four days ago. So prayer for the safety of our missionaries, maybe even beyond that, a deeper understanding that persecution is what births revival and a deep sense of security in the times that they face persecution and struggle to see that God is in their midst. If only we could see that at all times, right? His footsteps yeah. alongside our own. Wow. Yeah, that, that's great. One other question to just tie a bow on this whole thing. If you could challenge us, the listeners, to do one thing in the next seven days, what would that be and why? I would perhaps search the internet for a couple words. One is unreached and its definitions. Another is 1040 window. You could search general things, missions and, and, and how to be a part of the Great Commission. But the reason I mentioned those is because to me, one penny out of every hundred dollars is given to missions among the unreached in the 1040 window where the poorest of the poor live and that we have overlooked in many, many ways. And if we were to understand the great need and understand God's heart for these people, they're real. They live and drink and have plans for the weekend and, and they're human and they have never, ever once heard of Jesus. In fact, they think he's a bar of soap. Hmm. You know, I would really encourage you to explore where and who these people are and then starting in your own backyard, Look for opportunities to serve them. Like I said, Chinese restaurant, Thai restaurant, whatever it might be, an international a school, a college in your area. 
and then say, God, how would you like to use me to bring the gospel to people who have never heard? That might be a simple step. You could accomplish it all in one week, no doubt, but be intentional in pursuing the heart of God for people who have never heard the name of Jesus. That Those ones, out of the 99, the ones who have never heard before. Wow, David, such good stuff. Thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you having me. Thank you so much, Brian. You're quite welcome. I'd like to say one more huge thank you to David Joannes for being with us. I really appreciate what he shared, and I hope and I pray that it encouraged, inspired, and challenged you as well. Show notes are available at engagingmissions.com slash David Joannes. You'll want to check those out. It's a great place to connect with our guest and to also take action on what you've heard. And if you were interested in those links for 30 Days of Prayer or the fundraiser or anything like that, you'll also find those in the show notes. Make sure that you come back next week. We're going to be hearing from Curtis Sargent about an exciting new opportunity that could make a huge difference for the kingdom. If you want to do that, you'll want to make sure that you don't miss that episode. And the best way to do that is to subscribe using your favorite podcast app at engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. And if you enjoyed this or you know somebody who might benefit from it, please help us spread the word. Your recommendation could help somebody connect with the resources they need to be equipped, challenged, or inspired. Thanks for listening to the Engaging Mission Show. You can find more great content like this along with show notes by visiting engagingmissions.com or by subscribing to the show in iTunes or Stitcher. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next week.